On today's Locked On Royals podcast, we're joined by Connor Newcomb, Locked On Orioles, to recap this series that happened between Baltimore and Kansas City. It was a thrilling one, emotionally exhausting one, but also to discuss the rebuild of these respective teams all on today's show. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast. I am joined today by Connor Newcomb of the Lockdown Orioles podcast to discuss this series between Baltimore and Kansas City. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. Connor, how are you doing today as we finished off this series? I'm tired. Um, I... For a game where the team you cheer for had a big eighth and ninth inning for a comeback win, you would think all vibes would be positive. That is if you don't have the information that your team blew an eight to one lead in that same game with their prized pitching prospect, the one who was on the mound doing most of the blowing of the lead. Um, I got to say your intro, Rylan, uh, it got me back in a good mood. I got to have my people talk to your people about the, uh, the music bed for your intro because I feel like, I mean, the Orioles could lose 15 to nothing. If you hear that sound, you're just kind of in a good mood when you see my face, I think. It's it's a great intro. It's a great intro music. We'll for sure uh, get that over to you. But Connor, entering this series, what were the vibes like in Baltimore? The vibes were great. I mean, now granted, Kansas City this series was the end of a 22-game stretch where I would argue the Orioles played 22 straight bad teams. The Red Sox were in there. They've been a little better lately, so maybe they're not a bad team. They're just an average team. But they had, like, the A's, the Tigers twice, the White Sox. Like, this is the teams they were playing. But the vibes were good, right? I mean, they were in second place coming into this series. They had finished off a 19-9 and April. Things were coming together. I mean, they their bullpen was lights out. Their offense had been amazing. They had a top-five offense in baseball. And, like, half of the people were saying... All in on the O's. Another half of the people were saying, well, maybe when they stop playing the Tigers for two weeks straight, we'll actually see a little bit more of them. I saw both sides, but yeah, vibes were good. I guess vibes were still good. Vibes are a little less good right now, even after winning the series, but vibes were definitely great coming into this series. And for Kansas City, it it was the complete opposite. I mean, to this point, the season uh, had been a failure, an embarrassment, like just brutal uh, up until this point. And a month into the year, uh, I said on yesterday's podcast, you know, wipe the slate clean. They've been bad. There's been no sugarcoating how bad they've been. But let's see how this young team adjusts to it. And uh, since yesterday, the Royals have been way more competitive than what um, you know what, what we've seen typically. Uh, the 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 eleven to seven loss uh, was. You know, it, it was difficult because you got up early and, and, and it felt like things were trending in the right direction. And then you had a disaster fourth inning and, and fifth inning. Um, but ultimately, they were more competitive in that game than what they had been. And then today's game where they, they battled through adversity. It, it started out horrendous as, as Jordan Lyles uh, gave up eight, eight runs, six charge to him. Old uh, friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. And uh, and the Royals just could not stop walking people at all. Uh, 
the the, the bright spot though is that that Cox came in after getting called up and he he pitched very well uh, in this game. Ultimately, though, for Kansas City, this series, I think, despite going down in this series, was a net positive because I think that you got some things trending in the right direction. I think that you've gotten the offense trending in the right direction. Uh, Vinny Pascantino has been incredible. Uh, and then MJ Melendez and Bobby Witt Jr. hit home runs uh, to lead off th- that game, um, you know, on uh, what was that, Wednesday or, or Tuesday, whatever whatever game that was. Uh, the, the days all run together whenever you work from home, I guess. But it felt like the offense had gotten trending in the right direction, at least to be more competitive um, in general. And then you do get the six to nothing win in this uh, series as well. But, but regardless of, of all of this, the Royals still were able to, to have you feel in some type of way as they get their eighth win. What is it like for you to watch this Kansas city team on the outside looking in? Is there anything that you see from this group that you're just like, ah, you know, they got some, they got some pieces. Yeah, so so some of the vibes are like the Orioles of the past few years. Not exactly last year when the O's turned it on, but kind of the 2018 through 2021 Orioles where it was just bad, right? And you see them doing some things that you're just like, you know what, I get it. Like something to me that kind of had me feeling like, okay, the Royals aren't there yet, was the fact that in Thursday's game, Vinny Pasquantino would have hit representing the tying run to end that game but he was pulled for a defensive replacement. So instead, it's Hunter Dozier, who's been great against the O's in his career, but he's hitting like 150 this year, right? And I get it. Dozier's a better defender, so I get it. But when you're a seven or eight win team, you just leave your best players out there for as long as you can. And it's a new manager, maybe overmanaging a little bit. And that was a little bit of the like, okay, this team still got a couple of steps away. Now, I will say, listen, Orioles fans know a lot about Jordan Lyles. He honestly pitched well for them last year. They decided not to pick up his team option. He goes to Kansas City. I know he's been bad. It was a really interesting combination of starters this week because I can't tell you basically anything about the Royals' future pitching, right? Because they saw veteran, 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 guys who, honestly, I would argue none of them will be on the Royals next year. Yarborough, Granke, and Lyles. Like, there's a good chance. I know Lyles signed a two-year deal, but there's a good chance none of those guys are playing in Kansas City next year. So I didn't get a great read on the pitching. I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of Chapman. I've seen a lot of Amir Garrett. Like, I know what to expect from these guys. But in the lineup, Rylan, I will say, like, I see some good things. I saw some things we saw from the Orioles a couple of years ago when their pitching still was not there at all, but the bats were there a little bit. And I get that the Royals came in and they weren't scoring any runs, and then they scored, what was it, 23 runs in three games? Like, that's good. I know Bobby Witt's good. Pasquantino's good. MJ Melendez has always impressed me. I know he's gotten off to a slow start. The guy I want to shout out, I think Michael Garcia is the real deal. Like, I think he might be the truth. I know this is a couple of games, but he looked good at the plate. I have no idea what he did in the ninth inning today, where he literally took six consecutive pitches and struck out on a 3-2 fastball right down the middle. Not really sure what that was, but other than that, A.B., Garcia takes a good approach at the plate. He's got a good swing. I didn't see a lot of him defensively, but he looked solid. I think that's a guy where you just put him out there at third base every single day and you say, learn it. Learn the ups and downs of the season. That that was definitely a guy I liked. They got to figure out the the starting pitching, and I get everybody's injured. Like, everybody's injured. And Brady Singer's been bad, but that's probably number one priority, which is why I feel like they're kind of like the Orioles of a couple years ago, where it was like, look at these nice hitters that people are getting excited about. And here comes Zach Greinke and here comes Jordan Lyles. And it's eight to one in the third inning. 
I think that you hit the nail on the head of seeing veteran, veteran, veteran. And it does tell you everything you need to know about this Royals pitching staff, which was supposed to be built upon college pitching that they drafted. And none of them are are here. None of them are pitching well. Uh, Bubich, of course, is having Tommy John. That sucked. And I think that you know, despite having a above four ERA in his short season this year, Bubich did look better with his stuff. His stuff did uh, look to be improved but we didn't get to see it over the course of a full season. Uh, Singer has taken a step back from where he was at the end of last year, which is fine. It's like the ebbs and flows of, of, of young starters. But overall, Jackson Coart, nowhere to be found. Like all these guys that you invested in, nowhere to be found. Uh, and so that's kind of disheartening in this rebuild. I will say I was, an, I was enjoying Garcia making making his his come up to this time uh, around. And then also Vinny Pascantino, just a professional hitter like that, that takes so many uh, – great at bats and is able to work counts and is able to do the right thing. Uh, even whenever he doesn't, doesn't come through in the sense of like getting a hit, it still takes seven, eight, nine pitches to get him out of there. And that helps you in the long run uh, as well. And one of the only, one of the only batters that has consistently this season, uh, taken a good approach to the plate. I think that it was over managing. I think that when you get your first job as a skipper and you start out to be historically bad, like people have been, People have been saying like, "Oh, look at the Athletics. They're they're going to be the worst team of all time." You're one game better than the Athletics. Like like that that is you. You are there. And for that to be your first ever experience as a as a as a head head man as a skipper, and, and you get in this spot where you come back and you're trying to preserve a one run lead, it, it 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 showed that he was so inexperienced by just going all out on defensive replacements, and then you blow the one run lead. And then, and then now what, like you said, you're stuck with a, le- a lesser lineup to try to come back again. Uh, you'd much rather have Vinny P in that spot than Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier shouldn't even be in Kansas city anymore. Uh, so I, I think that that is a, is a growing experience. And just like the players, you know, your coaching staff and every sport has to develop as well. And hopefully that they'll do that. But I, I was overall way more encouraged with, with what the Royals put on the, on the field this series than any other series that we've seen to this point in the season. So coming up, we'll talk about Baltimore. How did they go from where the Royals are now to where they're at, where they're where they're in where they're in contention in the best division in baseball and one of the best divisions we've ever seen? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is there for you because we know that it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself and. BetterHelp is going to help you do that because therapy can give you the tools to find the balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So what you have to do is go to betterhelp.com right now, betterhelp.com slash LockedOnMLB, and you can go there to get started with therapy and give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed for your convenience and being flexible around your schedule. After you fill out a brief questionnaire, you're going to get matched with a therapist based upon your answers, and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charges. So go find the balance at BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash MLB to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MLB. We're back on the Locked On Royals podcast, joined by Connor Newcomb of Locked On Orioles. Connor, it was not that long ago where your team was in the cellar of their division, but last year took a massive step and a massive leap to where, sure, no postseason, but that was an impressive ride that you guys got to go on last year. And now this year, you're right in the thick of things a month into the year. What was that that flipping point, and how did Baltimore achieve that? Yeah, so I mean, the big point last year was they had a ten-game winning streak, right? In in very late June, early July, they had, they won ten in a row, and 
those 10 in a row got them just barely over 500. But that made them feel like, okay, you know, we can keep winning. And then they played really good baseball down the stretch. They stumbled a little in September, which is why they didn't make the playoffs. But a a 10-game winning streak really put them in that spot. And I think when people think about these rebuilds, obviously the core part about it, right, is you need the guys who you draft and develop to work out. And the Royals are in an in-between right now because Bobby Witt looks good and like Melendez looks good and Pasquantino looks good. And some of the pitchers have looked good when they've been able to stay on the mound. They just got to keep them on the mound. But what I think put the Orioles over the edge earlier than expected, I think even if the O's hadn't done what they did last year, they still could be 21 and 10 right now because the talent's just gotten better and better and gotten to this spot. The reason why they got good a bit of a year early is you actually have to be good at hitting on those guys who aren't your core pieces. They aren't your first-round picks. They aren't your Adley Rutschman number one overall. There may be waiver claims, right? Or guys who are the second-best prospect you get back in a trade. Guys who you don't expect to contribute. Like, look at the Orioles right now. You saw Yinier Cano today. He pitches two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. 14 scoreless innings for Yinier Cano this season. Hasn't given up a run. He's given up one hit. Two hits, I should say. He's been incredible. He came over in a trade last year, and he was seen as, at best, the second best and probably the third best pitcher out of the four that they got in that trade. And now he's amazing. I mean, you look at guys like Ramon Arias, comes in, gets the two huge hits off the bench to give the Orioles the lead and then extend their lead in the eighth and ninth inning. He was a guy who the Cardinals, they could use some good players, just brushed away in 2020. They said, ah, we don't have room for this guy on our 40-man roster. He's never going to make the big leagues. They DFA him. Orioles have space for them because they're legitimately terrible. So they were taking every single waiver claim possible and they turned some of these guys into good players. That's how you have to build your bullpen, which the O's have done. And that's how you have to build kind of the fringes of the roster. And they've done a really good job with that so far. I mean, you look at the pen, some of the guys who pitched today didn't perform super well, but Brian Baker, waiver claim, just kind of left off the Blue Jays 40 man. Danny Coulomb, somehow the twins didn't want him. He's given up three runs this year. I mentioned Yenier Cano. Felix Bautista was in the minors for 10 years before he got to the big leagues. Like This is how they built this bullpen. And I think it's the, the, the getting over the hump early, especially if the Royals want to do it early, is about just like hitting on some waiver claims. Like some random dude who you don't think about when they claim him. And then two months later, you're like, wait a minute, where do we get this guy from? Like you need some of those. You got to find the diamonds in the rough. That's for sure. And it's what got Baltimore Jeff Passan tweet uh, uh, today on, uh, well, this weekend, I guess, uh, on his Twitter account. That's always a good sign whenever Passan's tweeting about you. Now, what is the outlook for Baltimore this season? Like in the scope of this year, we're only a month in. A lot is going to change between now and the end of the year. But playing in such a competitive division, what is the expectation level for, for Baltimore? Yeah, so I mentioned that uh, 22 game stretch where they were playing all bad teams. They finished 17 and five in that stretch. That's why they're 21 and 10. You want to know the Orioles' next three teams on the schedule? <laughs> the three best records in baseball. You're going to Atlanta, then home for the Rays and home for the Pirates. So it is time to buckle up and figure out what kind of team you really are. So, Ryland, we will chat 10 days from now and I will let you know how I'm really feeling about the Orioles. But right now, the outlook is look. I looked at the schedule before the year and I kind of um, dished out like the winning percentages for each month compared to, to last year's team record for each of those teams. The winning percentage for their opponents in April was like 450 
and every other month is like 530 and above. So they did what they needed to do in the month against the bad teams. The Orioles have the, and this is by the numbers, not just anecdotally, they have the toughest strength of schedule when you compare it to how teams have done so far this year for the rest of the season of any team in baseball. So while I'm optimistic because the bullpen's been good, the offense has been great, and the starting pitching's been okay, they're going to take some lumps because they didn't really add to this roster this offseason. And as much as the young guys can be good and the waiver claims can be good, they didn't really add that free agent. You know, they don't really have the star power outside of like the Adley Rutschman type. So I still think my prediction of finishing 83 and 79 again, that was my prediction at the beginning of the season. I'm still not wavering off of it too much just because of a 21 and 10 start. But I will say like, you still got to beat the bad teams. They're still major league baseball players and the O's have done it so far. And there's been a lot of teams, Ryland, right? That have like just gotten into a wild card because they just beat all the bad teams. Like, there's been plenty of teams in baseball history that won like 88 games because they just beat all the bad teams, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. If the O's want to do that, I mean, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about baseball too. Uh, if you can take care of business in these stretches here and get to the postseason, once you're there, we've seen how fluky the postseason is. We've we've seen that. Really, I would say hockey is the only other sport that rivals it in flukiness. Of uh, uh, the best teams, oftentimes do not win. The World Series. It's often just who gets hot, who has a ball bounce their way, who has some some just amazing ride, like the Royals did twice. I mean, you can make the argument that, that the Royals twice, whenever they're at the World Series, should not have gotten there, just based upon like who was the quote unquote best team. But the Royals were the best team in that stretch, and they and they put it all together and had a lot of luck go their way as well. And you you get that mixture of luck by only getting in the dance. Like that's the only way you can get it. You can't get it whenever you're a hundred loss team. That's why I always would would encourage offices to go for making the postseason even if you're not supposed to be the favorite on paper we've seen many times where that favorite on paper does not perform well and sometimes doesn't get out of the first round so um it, it is is vital to just get in the dance and one aspect that that has helped baltimore i think or will help them this year we don't really know for a fact it'll help them is the rule changes and i want to discuss with you what rule changes that you have seen in this sport that you really, really like. And if there's any that you maybe would want to stay away from, but something that I think that you like for sure is rocket money. It's formerly known as true bill rocket money is there for you. You can always go there because we know how easy it is. Like, like you get this little alert. Hey, try this product for free for 30 days. That's just enough time for you to try it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have a subscription they totally forgot about. You're wasting your money and you're not even realizing it. Rocket Money will help you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the ones that you do not use. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Make sure you check it out today because Rocket Money can also help you manage your finances in one place by automatically categorizing your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also be alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, averaging a saving per year of $720 per person on average. So stop throwing away your money, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmob. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmob. Rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmob. We're back on the Lockdown Royals Orioles podcast talking about this series and I love having on fellow co-hosts on the Lockdown Podcast Network talking about these rule changes. 
I personally am a huge fan of the rule changes. The first one I want to talk about is the schedule. Is this a is this something that is causing Baltimore fans to throw parades because you no longer have to bash your head against that division? I think that the AL Central is the only division that will miss playing their division 16 times a year. How does it feel to be in the AL East, that kind of vaunting division, and have this rule change? Yeah, you mentioned, like, is this the best division ever? I know you said that in passing. The last place team is the Yankees, who are 17 and 15. And we know the Yankees are more talented than that. This division is ridiculous. If things break the right way here on Thursday, you could wake up Friday morning with every team in the AL East having a better record than every team in the AL Central. Now, some of that's because the AL Central is kind of bad, but also the AL East is crazy. So I get there is some trade-offs, right? Like on years, you may not have had to play the Dodgers and the Padres. You got to play them anyway, right? Like the Orioles got to go to Atlanta, this weekend, they wouldn't have had to go to Atlanta, you know, if they didn't get the, the full schedule. That's a good team. But Toronto and New York, you knew were going to be good. Boston is always a frisky team, even if they're not all in. And the Rays, man, the Rays are 26 and 6. I don't want to see, like, I'm going to go to a game next week when the Rays come to Camden Yards. I am scared. And it's not the scared that the Yankees do to me. Like, it's not the Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, like, I'm afraid if I sit. 30 rows deep in left field, they're going to hit me with a home run ball. It's like, uh, I'm not even going to realize it happened and the Rays are just going to win four to one. And I'm going to be like, they weren't impressive. Like, who was that guy? Who was that guy? And then they're just going to beat you four to two for three straight games and leave. Keep getting away with it. Yeah, they they, they can't keep getting away with it, right? That They cannot keep getting away with this. But that's what this division looks like. And that's why it is exciting. Because like, yeah, I'll throw in a series with the Dodgers and the Padres. That's fine. If Aaron Judge doesn't get to hit 15 home runs against me this year and he only hits six, like I'll take that. I, I think that the schedule change is great, uh, obviously for AL West fans, but also for baseball fans. Of like now, at least look, the Royals are out of it. They are by May 5th, they are done with their season in terms of being competitive, but. You can still go out to Kauffman Stadium and, and and watch these all-stars, watch these superstar legends who otherwise you have to wait years and years and years to see and might even never see them in their prime if you don't if you don't have the right schedule line up. So I love that aspect of it too for just the general baseball fan, even though for central teams, you would much rather beat up on this division than not. But I think that this is the only division that's that's feeling that way right now. I think that every other division is happy that they're playing less of their own division. Now the pitch clock and everything that's kind of has that kind of disappeared for you like do you even still notice it what's your feelings on that uh the O's got a violation I believe in this series that ended up in a walk and that was the first time I thought about it in a while like it was a, it was a 3-2 pitch I believe and there was a violation um I love it I mean it speeds up the game like the O's and the Royals played a game an hour and 59 minutes on Tuesday night some of that was because every hitter was swinging at the first pitch from a couple of like 45 year olds and Kyle Gibson and Zach Granke, but they played a 13 to 10 game today, Rylan. And it was like three hours and 15 minutes. That game would have taken four and a half hours last year. That's why I like it. Like I love baseball. I love watching it on TV. I love even more being in the ballpark. I like hanging out, but I also have other things to do. And that's the thing. Like you shouldn't be like cast away as someone who doesn't love baseball enough. If you want it to be shorter, Like, I love baseball, but there's 162 games. And if one game is two hours and 15 minutes and I have to leave the ballpark much earlier than I thought, that's okay because there's another game tomorrow. And you're going to get plenty of baseball 
even if they're two and a half hours instead of three, and the games are still exciting, you could argue they're more exciting because the action picks up. I, you do not have to hand it to Rob Manfred, but you may have to a little bit on this one. Yeah, I think that these are brilliant changes. I, I think that this year has been the most fun watching baseball, and and my team is historically bad. Uh, that I've had in a long time, just because it does it, 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 maybe it's a placebo effect. I don't know, but it just feels like it's boom, boom, boom this year. And it, a big thing is too, which you mentioned you're in and out, even if your team gets drummed. Okay. It's, it's, it's a an hour and a half beat down or two hour beat down. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you live with it and you're with the punches, but um, I, I, I've loved it. I've loved these rule changes so much. Uh, Connor, best of luck to you in this incredible AL East. I know that that everyone is rooting for Baltimore over these other. I mean, maybe people like Tampa Bay. I think that some people are kind of over Tampa Bay, uh, but ultimately, Baltimore is right up there of who people would rather see than the Yankees and and the Red Sox uh, take over this division. So, best of luck. Uh, we'll have to check back in uh, later on to see if you've managed the, managed this tough stretch. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, and and it is kind of nice because you do kind of feel like there's probably not many people pulling against the Orioles, especially against the Yankees and Red Sox. So. Anybody want to hop on the bandwagon? Let's go. Orioles baseball. Last thing, speaking of the division, what'd you think of uh what would you think of Wander Franco's toss up throw out? Hey, he's he's fun. He's so much fun. I mean, Smooth. this division has so many good players. It's not just the good teams, it's the good players. I'm happy to only have to play him what 13 instead of 19 times this year. So smooth. I, I think that he's gonna be a fan favorite for many, many, many years to come across just the entire sport of baseball. Uh, but Connor, thank you for joining us. Uh, it was it was a pleasure to play the Baltimore Orioles uh, in this series. Yeah, thank you for having me.